In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today we want to meditate on a point from the homily of Saint Maria towards holiness, which goes like this. He says, I am often asked, what do you say to us married folk, to those who work on the land, to widows, to young people? And Saint Maria replies, I reply systematically that I have only one stewing pot. I usually go on to point out that our Lord Jesus Christ preached the good news to all without distinction. One stewing pot and only one kind of food. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. As our Lord says in St. John's Gospel. Well, this is the, the third meditation on this homily towards holiness, which is St. Josemaria's favorite homily, or the one he considered the most important for the interior life. And he goes over many ideas, but the idea we want to focus on today is precisely the one that he alludes to, which comes from our Lord, obviously. He's totally Christ-centered, and that is that Christ preaches to all. Christ preaches the gospel to everyone without distinction. Where does this come from? It is obviously the apostolic mandate in in the gospel, at the end of the gospel, where, where he tells the apostles before going up to heaven, All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even unto the consummation of the world. This is the missionary mandate, so-called, as it appears in St. Matthew's Gospel, the last paragraph of, of this Gospel. And it tells us that everyone is called. There's no one to be excluded. We have to go to all nations and make disciples out of them. We are basically, we have gone from just following our Lord to actually letting our Lord work through us. Because as he says here at the end, he will be with us always until the close of the age, until the consummation of the world. This revelation that our Lord is giving to us, the good news, the gospel, is not for the chosen few. It's not just for the elite. It's not a secretive club that, you know, he establishes in order to save, you know, his, his uh, chosen few and that's it. His friends or the twelve or his disciples or his students or his followers. No. This good news of the fact that 
he has risen from the dead and that he wants to make us sharers in the divine nature, as St. Peter says in his letter, is open to all. And he wants everyone in the world to be able to participate in this. This reminds us, this language of St. Paul, when he says to the Galatians, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are the offspring of Abraham, heirs according to the promise. There is no longer Jew nor Greek, free or slave, male or female. You know, everyone, young and old, all races, the race, the, the, as St. Jose Maria said, there's only one race, the race of the children of God, only one language, the language of the children of God, the language of love, which everyone understands. This is what we have to proclaim to the whole world, being open to all. That's why when he is asked the question, that he tells us about in his homily, what do you say to married folk and or to single or to the people who work in the land and to widows and to young people and to whomever? He says, I only have one message, which is the message of Christ. I don't bring any other message other than the one that I have been sent to preach, which is this good news, right? That Christ is risen and Christ redeems me. That he has given his life for me, right? and that he has risen for me, and that everyone in the world can say that in the first person. Now, why is it important to understand this mandate of our Lord's, this missionary command to go out to the whole world? Well, because we always tend, as human beings, I think, to be a little bit sectarian, you know, to try to make little factions, to make little groups. And in this world of ours, we sometimes end up making what is for everyone, we make it particular for for us, you know. We say, oh yes, they're one of us, you know. Um, and we exclude other people. And our Lord is telling us, no, you can't exclude anybody. Everyone is called to holiness every single one and we disciples of christ have to preach to everyone without excluding anyone whatsoever if you look at the gospel we see this attitude among good people as well the attitude to you know that tends towards the groupy groupy mentality as you know you can call it uh, among john the baptist's disciples there were some disciples that ask him a question when they see that Jesus is basically taking all of John's disciples towards him. You know, everybody's going towards Jesus and John the Baptist is kind of being left alone, you know. And and so these people who were, you know, part of the John the Baptist club, as they, they saw it, uh, reveal that to him. They say, you know, Rabbi, to John the Baptist, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have borne witness, behold, he baptizes and all are coming to him. As you know, as if saying, Hey, what happened to our group? You know, we we had a great thing going. We had a great Bible study here with us, and now all of a sudden all sorts of people are leaving and what about us? You know, what about 
the good old days when we were, you know, just us, you know, and so on. And, um, well, this is a human tendency, right? So John the Baptist, who has a universal outlook, who has a Catholic mind, meaning universal, he is very humble, and he answers his own disciples and tells them, no one can receive anything unless it is given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices exceedingly at the voice of the bridegroom. This is my joy, therefore. This my joy, therefore, is made full. He must increase, but I must decrease. This is St. John the Baptist's answer to those people that wanted to make the enterprise of, of his mission a, a uh, particular groupy kind of a club, you know, excluding others or, you know, they were kind of jealous of Jesus because he was making more disciples. It doesn't matter if they are making more disciples or he or we versus them. It's not a we versus them thing. It's, it's the more disciples that are made, the better. And if everybody's following Christ, the better. It's not about our little group. This is what it means to be Catholic, to be universal. Now, when our Lord says, go to all nations and preach the good news, people may think that that's imposing. You know, that, well, we are going everywhere and that everyone is called. I mean, the, the claim is not just that we're going to preach and sell, you know, the 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 product, and if people want to buy it, well, they buy it, and if they don't buy it, you know, they don't buy it, and that's it, you know. No, no, no. The claim is even bigger. The claim is that everyone, right, who accepts Christ will be saved, and only those people who who are saved in the name of Christ can be saved. So this is not only for everyone, it's a necessity for salvation and eternal happiness for everyone. That's a big claim. And people may feel uncomfortable with that claim because it's it means that, well, yeah, you're kind of imposing. What if they don't want to, you know, be Christian? What if they don't want to get baptized, you know? Wow. Well, let's talk about this a little bit. What is going on? If we were selling some kind of product, I think it would be, you know, too much to claim that everyone absolutely needs this for their happiness, even though a lot of people who sell things actually will, will make you feel that way. But here we're talking about the ultimate truth because we were made in the image and likeness of the same the same God who is going to save us. So this is what this is why Jesus has this universal claim over over this uh, mission, right? If you look at the letter to the Colossians, it says precisely this. He, meaning Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for in him were created all things. Now, there's no footnote here that says, except these, these ten things, or these ten people, or these ten races, or... No, nothing. All things. In the heavens and on the earth, things visible and things invisible 
whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Now, these terms are terms of angelic um, substances, right? All sorts of angels, type or kinds of angels, or, or however you want to call them. All things have been created through and unto him, and he is before all creatures, and in him all things hold together. Again, he is the head of his body, the church. He who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the first place. For it has pleased God the Father that in him all his fullness should dwell, and that through him he should reconcile to himself all things, whether on the earth or in the heavens, making peace through the blood of his cross. It's There's not much room here for... Um, exceptions or footnotes, he, he repeats all things many times. And that's the claim of Christianity, that this applies to every single person. What about aliens? What if we discover aliens? It applies to them too. If they're rational creatures, it applies to them too. Everything. What about the rocks and the animals and the heavens and the moon and the stars? Everything has been created by the Word which is Jesus Christ, you know. The Word became incarnate, and and that is Jesus Christ who has come into the world. Everything, and there's no exceptions. That's why it is not an imposition. The thing is, imagine an engineer who designs a car. Well, he has full knowledge of what the car does. He has full knowledge of what... Um, you know, the car can do and cannot do. And so imagine if you take, let's say, a Ferrari and you put, instead of gasoline in it, you put water or you put some other kind of fuel, which is not going to work. And then, um, well, the engineer comes and tells you, no, you can't do that. It's like, well, you're imposing. You're imposing your, 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 uh, your ideas on me because I want to do whatever I want with my car. It's like, well, yeah, fine, if you you do whatever you want with your car, but you're not gonna make it go. You're not gonna make it go if you really want to be, if you really want to go, if you really want to buy the car in order to go from point A to point B. Well, you need to follow the instruction manual that I have published so that you can actually figure out why it doesn't work, you know. And um, and so that's Christ's claim. He has designed all cars, we could say. You know, and he knows exactly how they work. And so he can come and say, unless you follow these instructions that I have, I have, you know, published um, both in nature through creation that we can reach through reason and also through revelation in the Bible and through the tradition and the magisterium of the church, then we're, you know, our ultimate happiness as a human being may be at risk. So that's why we we need to preach the gospel in order to save as many people. Now, granted, a lot of people have misinterpreted this mandate because they have used the sword in order to convert, and 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 obviously that is not Christ's uh, intent, right? When he says that, or when the Bible says that, only those people um, who or, or only those people can be saved uh, who accept the name of Christ, or only in the name of Christ can anyone be saved. Um, what that means is that sometimes people don't know that that it is Christ, right, who is saving them, or they're not part of the visible church. That also 
is is a reality, right? And also part, people who belong to the church, the Catholic Church, may actually, you know, be sinners, and and they may not be the ones who 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 are the greatest models of holiness either, and they may not be the ones that that are preaching the good news either. And so, does it mean that you necessarily have to belong to the Catholic Church? Um, well. The Catholic Church, we believe, holds all the instruments of grace, namely the sacraments, and that the sacraments subsist in their entirety in the Catholic Church. And a lot of other Christian communities have separated themselves. They have lost those sacraments. Some have kept, you know, some and others have lost others. But the point is that where is the Church of Christ? Where is the actual you know, the church that Christ founded. Well, essentially, it subsists in the Catholic Church because of these instruments called the sacraments that allow one to fully inherit the, 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 the graces that, God has, that Christ has left for us for our salvation. But that doesn't mean that other people outside of the visible church um, do not receive graces outside of the sacraments. And there is a possibility for that. We're not going to put um, uh, we're not not going to put limits to God's ability to send graces to people who have not been baptized or who don't have the Eucharist or something like that. But that's something that has not been revealed. Which you know, who has grace and who doesn't? I mean, we pray, we hope. Um, but all those people who are not um, part of the Catholic Church and if they get graces directly through God in some personal way well, they could be saved in the name of Christ. They are being saved in the name of Christ even though they may not be aware of that themselves. But the the surest thing is that those members of, of the Catholic Church who have received all the graces of the sacraments, of the seven sacraments that, that have been established by Christ, that we truly want everybody to receive those graces, and that we not keep those graces to ourselves only, but that we open it up to everyone. Right? And we do that not only by being disciples, we need to be disciples, which means following Christ, but we need to actually become apostles. We need to go from being disciples to becoming apostles. Because it's not just about following, it's about actually also Christ working through us you know as he says and this is this is what this is what this missionary mandate is all about you know so it's it's um, something that we do with Christ it's something that Christ does through us if we give him permission and if we're generous in actually preaching the word of God to everyone around us now the question is, you know, you may you may say, well, you know, I, I I really can't stand people who preach the word of God in the subway or, or whatever, and they they sound preachy, or my friends who sound preachy, they're always telling me about this and talking about that, and you know, they don't listen to me, they don't actually care about me. Well, hopefully that's not the case that that they don't care about you. Um, but yes, you're right. Sometimes people do sound preachy, right? And the point is not to sound preachy. The point is simply to share what is so important to you. And if you're, if it's really important to you, 
it'll overflow. You just can't keep it inside because it's genuine. It's actually something that moves you. And whatever moves you interiorly because you love it is something that your friends will know about in a natural way, you know. And so this is the point, I think, that our Lord is saying. Become my witnesses. You spread the faith by becoming, by giving witness of what I have done in you, in your life, what I mean to you. And if Christ means everything to us because we realize that he created me, he loves me, he died for me, he resurrected for me, he has given me everything, he has changed my life, he, he has made me stop my evil ways, and now I lead a clean life. Well, that is important for people around us to know. Right? Look at the words of, of St. John in his letter, in his first letter, where he says, you know, I write of what was from the beginning, of what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked upon and our hands have handled, of the word of life. And the life was made known, and we have seen and now testify and announce to you the life eternal which was with the Father and has appeared to us. What we have seen and what we have heard we announce to you in order that you also may have fellowship with us and that our fellowship may be with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that you may rejoice and our joy may be full. Wow. So is St. John talking about hearsay? He heard that Jesus had resurrected? No. He's saying, I have seen what we have seen, what we have heard, what our hands have handled. He's talking firsthand, literally, firsthand. This is a witness. And this is what he's communicating so that our joy may be full and his joy may be full. Everybody's joy. And, you know, this is impressive. And this is what we have to become. We have to become witnesses, not, oh, I heard of a Jesus that resurrected and people say that he resurrected or people make claims about him or whatever. Oh, yeah, he kind of resurrected. Well, no, no, no. Either we have experienced the resurrection or we haven't. And if we are baptized, we have been baptized into his death and baptized into his resurrection. We have experienced the living Christ in our own body and soul. That's the impressive thing about the sacraments. They make Christ's life present in every single Christian. And that's why when we are baptized, we are no longer people who um, heard about you know the story of Jesus or whatever. No, this is not just a story. It's the reality of my life. And that's why I can bear witness. And that's why I can go out to all the world and preach the good news, right? This is a living witness. It's not just, you know, the apostles who actually uh, lived with him historically. No, I live with him too. Because, again, going back to the to the to St. Matthew's account of the missionary mandate, behold, I am with you all days, even unto the consummation of the world, to the end. I am with you. So this obviously implies that it's not only the apostles, it's also the successors to the apostles and 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 everyone who hears the word of God throughout all of uh, time from then onwards. Well, how do we begin? How do we begin this this mission? Well, St. Maria gives us a clue. 
He says, You must inspire others with love of God and zeal for souls, so that they in turn will set on fire many more who are at a third plane, who will in their turn spread the flame to their associates. So first, we begin with ourselves, and then with other souls, and then those souls, you know, will also be apostles of other souls. And like, we could call it concentric circles, right? right? The rock falls in the water and makes all these circles, all these rings. Well, we have to reach the end of the pond. Every single nation has to hear this good news. And then he adds, St. Josemaria adds, what a lot of spiritual calories you need, and what a tremendous responsibility if you let yourself grow cold. And I don't even want to think of it, what a terrible crime if you were to set a bad example. Well, you know what? We know that, as St. Augustine says, we live in the church, which is a corpus mixtum. It's a mixed body, right? It's not all saints. We're not all saints yet, and we're we're sinners, and we're we're trying, and some people are, may not be trying, but you know they got baptized, and when they practiced when they were little, but no longer. And maybe some people are angry at the church, and maybe, um, maybe even rightly so, with some members of the church who have a, I don't know, kind of uh, taken advantage of them, or abused them, or hurt them in some way. And we we do penance for all that. We have to do penance, and that's not that doesn't help, right, in giving witness of of this saving grace that we possess, but. You know, this is the reality that we live in. But that's why we have to take care of ourselves first, meaning we need these spiritual calories. We need to pray. We need to truly always, actually, I said earlier, we, we go from being disciples to being apostles. Well, we never really give up on being disciples, you know. And, and we have to uh, see that being a disciple means always being with Christ, and that's what Christ does as we are apostles as well. So if we want to be an apostle, we also have to be a disciple. you know. And if we look at what St. John Chrysostom says, he says that we need to... He says... How then account for the fact that these men, the apostles, who in Christ's lifetime did not stand up to the attacks by many people, set forth to do battle with the whole world once Christ was dead? If, as people claim, Christ did not rise and speak to them and rouse their courage, did they perhaps say to themselves, What is this? He could not save himself but he will protect us? He did not help himself and he was alive, but now that he is dead, he will extend a helping hand to us? In his lifetime, he brought no nation under his banner, but by uttering his name, he will win over the whole world? Would it not be wholly irrational even to think such thoughts, much less to act upon them? It is evident, then, that if they had not seen him risen and had proof of his power, they would not have risked so much. What St. John Chrysostom is saying is that if Christ did not rise from the dead and they did not see him alive, they would have never entrusted themselves to, 
to Christ. Because if he cannot even save himself, how could he save them? You know, So it doesn't make any sense. So the fact that the apostles actually died for Christ is, is living proof, we could say, of the fact that he has indeed, indeed risen. And that's what we have to give witness of. You know, and who do we preach this to? Well, as Saint Maria said, and, and and primarily our Lord, we preach to all, to all, without discriminating, at all, no discrimination at all whatsoever. Well, what, you know, a lot of people sometimes think, well, I um, to do apostolate, well, I need Catholics to to kind of uh, invite on to a, I don't know to my church or something, or to a group in the church or a ministry or something like that. And if you don't have Catholics, well, you can't do anything. It's like, well, uh, no, that's not true. We have to preach to everybody, precisely because they're not Catholics or, you know, or they're lukewarm. That we have to preach all the more to them, right? We don't just do quote do apostolate with good people who want to do good things in in the parish. We have to go to everyone. Here's um, what Saint Rosa Maria says about being friends with people that are sinners. He says commenting on our Lord eating with tax collectors. Do you see that? Christ's enemies reproach him with being a friend of sinners. Of course he is. And you too. If not, how are we going to convert them? How are we going to bring them to the divine doctor? And he continues, Naturally, we're friends with sinners. You can do this apostolate just as long as friendship with people like that doesn't endanger your interior life, as long as you have enough fire to raise other people's spiritual temperature without cooling your own down. Yes, friends with sinners, real friends, with your prayer and affectionate, sincere and noble friendship, but always making sure that it never becomes a danger to your soul. So St. Josemaria here does several things. One is he says, we have to preach to everyone, right? Even sinners. I would say even especially sinners, right? Because we want to save them. But we don't do this outside of the context of friendship. Somehow we have to, you know, befriend them with sincere prayer and affectionate, noble friendship. This is this is the context in which these conversations will take place. Now, probably you could do it outside of a friendship, but uh, what St. Jose Maria is telling us is that friendship is very effective in actually um, changing people's lives, right? And if they find us um, that this is a true witness, right, that I'm giving witness of something that I have, that I have seen and heard and something that has impacted my life tremendously, I will not sound preachy. In fact, it'll be, like St. Paul says, the aroma of Christ. Aroma. Think of the aroma of Christ. What does that mean, aroma? Well, aroma is a, a good smell. Not a foul smell, but a good like perfume right? that smells and fills the whole room. Well, I don't know much about neurology or anything like that, but some neurologist told me once that the memory is linked so much to the sense of smell, or vice versa, I should say, that the sense of smell brings back memories immediately, so so powerfully and so quickly, because I think the the part of the brain that that uh, 
that has the sense of smell is really close to to a long-term memory or something like that. So anyway, if you you know smell the perfume of your grandmother, your grandmother immediately will will come to mind. It's so so quick and so powerful. And and well, when Saint Paul says that we have to be the aroma of Christ, well, it it means really that when people see us, when people meet us, that we should remind them immediately, immediately of Christ. I mean, so quickly because because of the way we act, the way we smile, the way we are affectionate, the way we care about them, because it's authentic, you know, the way we pray for them, etc. All, everything. May our behavior and conversation be such that anyone who sees or hears us may be able to say, this person reads, lives the life of Jesus Christ. To paraphrase St. Maria's second point of the way. Well, as we end our prayer today, let us take heed of this call to preach everywhere. Preach the gospel always, wherever we are, with our lives and with our words, in the context of our families, our friends, our social relations, everywhere. No matter who they are, it doesn't matter. Everyone can actually receive Christ wholeheartedly because he created us. We are created in his image. That's point number one. Point number two is first you, apostolic soul. As St. Josemaria says, if we really want to be apostles, first we have to be disciples and we have to live it ourselves. And thirdly, to be the aroma of Christ so that people will, by my behavior, recognize that I am truly bringing, making Christ present. And just like he promised, I will be with you until the end of time. Our Lady will help us because, well, she is the apostle and the disciples par, par excellence that made Christ present with her fiat, with her let it be done unto me according to thy word uh, at the Annunciation. And we can do the same when we decide to truly be his disciples. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.